Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Thanks for listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Great deal going on. You throw down $5 on a tournament game, and if that team wins, you get $200 in free plays. New customers only. All right, now joined by one of the many men synonymous with Arizona basketball in the city. If I were to put a Mount Rushmore of non, well, I don't want to say non-players because we do know that my guy busted a three in Reggie Geary's face in practice. But Ryan Hansen would certainly be on that mix. Rhino, how you doing, my man? Mike, it's awesome to be on with you. And like we know, this is what it's all about. I, I'm getting amped. You know, all the work that gets to this point. Uh, I'll be heading out with the team here this afternoon, so I'll be on the team charter. And once you get on that charter and you can see the players and all of the wheels are in motion with the NCAA tournament, this is unlike anything else. It's and fantastic. Was there- was there any better send-off than beating UCLA in the Pac-12 tournament to go in there? Um, I, I bring this up all the time, Rhino, that when I was growing up, the only team that I really looked at from an outsider perspective, and I kind—I don't want to say feared, but I looked and I'm like, man, we got to really bring it, was those Herrick teams with UCLA when Olsen was at its peak, where and you, know, you, were, you were right there. This feels a little bit like that in that Cronin – and Tommy Lloyd have things going, and you can tell they both know what they're doing. It had a little bit of nostalgia for me watching that. No doubt there was this, uh, a couple yeah. years of time where Montgomery at Stanford had it rolling with number one seeds, and the, the respect that Lute had for Mike uh, was at an all-time high, maybe probably the most respected foe mm-hmm. that he played outside of you know Dean Smith or Roy Williams. That 
definitely has has been brought back. The UCLA Arizona rivalry, if it ever went away, is for sure back. And you mentioned just the the culmination of the season and the the, the Pac-12 tournament so far to this point. It couldn't have been a more momentous launching point. Uh, and you're seeing it across the board. I mean, we are clearly, I say we, Arizona is clearly. No, you can say we, Rhino. You can uh, definitely hop in and that. say we there. Uh, I try I try not to because I'm technically a member of the media. But, yes, right. I, I do appreciate the the love. Uh, Arizona's the trendy pick. Uh, they're the second uh, you know, pick from a Vegas perspective, not that we get into those types of things uh, at our level on the broadcast. But right. when you start hearing the noise, uh, that's there's it's a cautionary tale, though, right? You kind of have to make sure as a player, as a coach, as a program internally that those guys don't listen. And I will say this, Mike, I'm, I had conversations yesterday at the media junket with the guys. And the first question uh, that I asked Ben was, you know, what do you think? Everybody loves you. And he goes, right. you know, the beginning of the year, nobody loved us. We didn't listen then. We're not going to listen now. And I just thought that was a really mature response. And, and I wouldn't be surprised that Tommy's been preaching that. How many times has a team gone into the season with a bunch of question marks? Because, again, there was talent on this team, no doubt. But, you know, they were unranked and all kinds of question marks, you know. What kind of team would this be defensively? Who would emerge on the offensive side? What roles would emerge? You know, Daylon Terry was a, a top 50 recruit, but didn't show a ton. Who? What would he become? Rhino, everybody fell into a role, and not just kind of a, a roster filler role, a real productive role. You go one through eight, and everybody brings their own little unique tangible and intangible to the court. Yeah, preseason expectations for average fan, right? Not college right. basketball expert starts with one place. And even the experts do this. How'd you do last year? What did I think you were really good? And what do you return, right? So right. Arizona was relatively speaking off the, the college basketball map on December 28th of 2020 when they self-imposed. Right. No one paid attention to them. And if you paid attention, you saw talent, you yep. saw potential. And then the coaching change. Well, we don't know. If you really dialed in, you probably were were thinking Arizona's got a chance to be good. But you, you mentioned it. There were still question marks. Were they going to be more offensive-minded because of Tommy Lloyd's system and abandon the principles defensively that maybe they learned from Sean? Were they going to be able to do Tommy Lloyd's system of the fun and gun, if you want to, if you want to call it that? Uh, and the jump from freshman to sophomore seasons for the core of this team, was everybody going to make that jump? Was Paul right. Larson going to fit in? No one knew a lot about him if you weren't paying attention. And it was like, well, could he play in the Tommy Lloyd system? So all these pieces did have question marks, relatively speaking, uh, but have quickly been answered. And and that's what is so exciting is that Arizona does have, have a lot of pieces. When I did my uh, my preseason poll, which doesn't count, but I put it out on Twitter, so you know, either way, I had Arizona at twenty one, and I thought that you know that that was on the optimistic side right there. But I looked at it and I said, you know what, Ben Matherin is an NBA player. At what level we don't know, but Rhino, he was an easy guy to kind of look and say he should be all conference. Azulis Tabellis by the end of last season was an all conference type player. I mean, you don't drop thirty one and ten on the Mobley brothers without having that kind of potential. So. I agree with you a little bit. I think that if you watched Arizona up close, you probably should have had an idea that this team was going to be better than the preseason projections. But, you know, it was impossible to foresee this historic season that we saw coming here. I don't I don't think anybody, even even the the 
most optimistic fan or college basketball expert looking at Arizona would have predicted 31 wins, only three losses, and very few poor outings. It's just it's very four very games. Few. Yeah, you're going to have a, a letdown. Even the best of the best in Arizona history have had more, relatively speaking, more letdown games or more mm-hmm. difficult games than this team has. And we'll look back with the history lens. You'll be able to look back and say, ah, maybe the conference wasn't as good. And that's something that even the the, the people like you and I that remember the 1988 team, This yeah. uh, we've talked about some comparisons to that team. The Pac-10 then was terrible. Right. Uh, so a lot of the statistics maybe were, can be adjusted based on the, the competition of the 18-game conference schedule, but still, that was legit. And you look at this group, and I feel a little bit about the same way. Pac-12 conference, only three NCAA tournament teams. That's not a great year for a Power 6 conference. Right. So some of the stats, some of the dominant performances will qualify a bit, but relatively speaking, uh, Arizona ha- has all the pieces, as I said but- earlier. Let's talk Christian Coloco. And uh, I was texting a little bit uh, with our guy, Matt Muehlbach, during the game or before the game. And he said, you know, who do you think they're going to put on Hawkes? And in the first game, you had Coloco on him, or excuse me, the second game quite a bit. And I said, I don't know that I necessarily see that working. Again, there's a reason Matt's mad and I'm Mike. But uh, he said, I think they're going to put him on him. And lo and behold, Rhino, Hawkes got some points. But how many seven foot one big men? have the ability to be able to move their feet in space like he can and go from a Will Richardson one game to stopping a Jaime Hawkes in the next game. It's I can't remember really anybody of that size that could do that here. Uh, he is such a unicorn when it comes to his abilities. And you, maybe you tie it back, and it's funny you brought that up, and I don't want to just go back to my conversations yesterday at McHale. No, please do. You, That's and, why I, we you, and, I, you and I are on the same wavelength. I talked to Coloco about that. I asked him specifically. I said, did you see yourself being as versatile defensively? A lot of people talk about rim protection. And I was asking about the ability to guard five spots. Right. Really, truthfully speaking, he can guard all five spots mm-hmm. and very well, which is right. why he's player of the year defensively in the conference. His lateral quickness probably comes from his soccer days growing up in Cameroon. And his and we talked about that. I asked him who is who, who's his club and he's he's an FC Barcelona guy. So right. I was OK with that. I'm a man, you guy. So that's all right. Fair uh, enough. We, we can we can make it work. Uh, but he talked about that. And I said, so in your basketball days, are you used? Have you been? playing like that. And he said, well, in high school, there's no one that's seven feet. And I was so big, so young right. that I was forced to play on the perimeter against guys that were six two, six four at the high school level as a starting center. So he said, yes, I've had experience, but he said, it's different now, right? You're not guarding high school level athletes. It is an amazing thing. And that's defensively the versatility for Arizona where they they got into some spots where they had to switch on ball screen action this year right. with Coloco guarding the big. Typically, that is nightmarish for you. Coloco makes it almost an advantage for you to switch. And I loved, and he was brilliant against Hawkes. And you look at the numbers Hawkes was putting up coming into the Arizona yeah. game. Let's talk about 25 points a game for four games leading into that game. He was dominant on the mm-hmm. offensive end. He, he was neutralized for, for those types of numbers. Anytime you're going against an All-American caliber player and he gets you 18 points but on 17 shots, you're going to oh. take that every single day of the week. Now, yeah, I love that. Let's talk Daylon Terry a little bit. Um, this, to me, was a guy that I first saw him when he was a freshman in high school in Corona del Sol. And 
he was really long, you know, really long, really gangly. Didn't have a ton of quote unquote basketball skills at the time, but you could tell he was a good passer and you could tell he was going to be a really good defender. But the maturation that this man has made, he's not necessarily a point guard, but he's a heck of a one and a half out there as a facilitator. His passing is really second to none at that height. Defensively, we all know what he can do. But you know what's really impressed me? He is not a great shooter, but he's become a timely shooter, Rhino. When he was when they were playing UCLA there, I was totally comfortable with him taking some of those big threes down the stretch. Because even though his form is a little weird, his touch is soft. It's a little bit of the Sean Marion type thing going on. When you have watched his evolution, the phrase, and it's rightfully so, the, the tag that's been given to him is glue guy, right? You've mm -hmm. heard that. All glue guy, maybe the best glue guy in the country would be thrown out there. It's time to abandon that yes. phrase. It's yes. unfair to Dalen Terry to say he's a glue guy. He is. He, he's ditched that. He is way past it now for Arizona. He is a critical cog for Arizona. And what's unique about him, as you've pointed out, he's not a glue guy. He's not just a great offensive player for us. He's great all around. He's, right. he's bringing leadership. He's bringing emotional fire. He's bringing capable and timely three-point shooting. His movement without the basketball. I mean, you talked about his passing. He is up there for me now. I'm starting to, to talk with along the same line as Luke Walton and Andre Iguodala when you're talking vision, uh, foreseeing the game. The right. pass he had in the second half yeah. on the back cut to Pella Larson, and they showed it, and, mm -hmm. and the guys talked about it on the, on the, on the broadcast. Pella was not open. Correct. Pella wasn't open when he, he threw him it. open he was, right there. He, he threw him open. He was open when Pella caught it. That's the phraseology you would use for a Tom Brady and an Aaron Rodgers and a John Elway, right? They're passing right. things in tight windows and they're throwing the receiver open. Right. That's not talked about in basketball. That unless you're talking, and I'm not going to say it's John Stockton-esque, but in Arizona history, this guy is is reaching those levels. Now, he, what he needs to do is do it at the biggest stage for me to put him in those categories. Like he's got to do it this week. He's got to do it next week for him to be alongside a Luke and an Andre. He's in the conversation though. And you know what I think a lot of people don't get? I had some people come up to me in Vegas and ask, you know, like, oh, and say, Dalen's taller than I thought. Dalen is legitimately six foot eight. He's not six, five and a half. Yeah. He's not six, six. What you see him listed at Rhino is exactly what he is. He's a much taller man than I think people actually understand until you're next to him. Yeah, and a lot of times Arizona's the second tallest team in the country, and everyone focuses probably where they should. Umar Coloco, right? Two right. seven-footers. No other team in the tournament, I believe, has two seven-footers. That's where they start. Well, let's not let us not forget, Azulis is legit 6'10". He's Correct. not 6'10 in shoes either. But Arizona's height starts to overwhelm you because Ben Matherin is 6'6", and Dalen Terry is pushing 6'8". That's right. where we overwhelm you with rebounding, with length on the perimeter in passing lanes, and, and Dalen is at the heart of that size. Right. Matt, before we get into the tournament breakdown real quick and i know you're a you got a you got a plane to catch you i've heard you might be going off to san diego yeah it's but, possible yes um this team and again we talked about it last time the margin for error for this team is absolutely unlike anything i've seen here in quite a long time and i'll give you a perfect example kirk creesa who you know i think people are finally understanding how good kirk creesa is right now you know but justin kyer steps in 
And how many teams have a sixth-year guy who can run the point like that and, oh, by the way, gets into early foul trouble against UCLA, a team that's playing at a top-10 level, and, oh, by the way, you look up at the score at the end of the game and Arizona's won by eight. This is nothing to take away from Kirk Risa because right. I actually agree with you that his injury has made people, the same people that hated Kerr for his shooting at Pauley Pavilion, they shot us out of the game, his decision-making is erratic. The same people that were saying that are the first ones that are saying, oh my God, Kerr's out, what are we going right. to do? Right. You know, they're the same people. So Kerr is, is becoming more and more valuable to the prospects for Arizona's advancement, for sure. Take nothing away against UCLA, defensively, we probably were better no doubt. because Kerr wasn't on the floor, right? I mean, I don't think I'm even uh, – it has to take an expert to say that. Well, you can uh, look but, at the first game, Rhino, when U yeah. UCLA came out, and we both like Kerr, so we're not bashing him, but when UCLA came out, the first thing they wanted to do was get Tiger Campbell going. And, you know, that's – Kerr's not a perfect player. Nobody is, but yeah, continue. Sorry about that. Yeah, Kerr made dramatic improvements from game one to game two against how uh, against Tiger Campbell. Arizona had to do some different things, though, with Kerr in those ball screen actions where they had more ability to have, you know, here's Dalen Terry and Christian Coloco coming together on a ball screen with Hawkes and Tiger, let's say. Well, you've got so many options. You can switch it. You can go over the top. You can go under. You can blitz it. You don't have all of those options with Kerr. Uh, and that's where Arizona is better in some cases, by far not better overall because of Kerr's ability to push the ball. But circling back to your point of margin of error, and, and I have two main points that I want to reiterate. You referenced our boy, Matt Muehlbach, and he said it really beautifully recently. The challenge of a margin for error, it's not as great as it would be in an NBA seven-game series. One game, single elimination. If it's not your night, it's not your night. But those that margin for error for Arizona was on display at the Pac-12 tournament in a number of cases. Kerr's injury, foul trouble to so many other guys. We weren't exactly shooting the lights out against Stanford. We had Stanford, what did we have? A guy, you know, Spencer Jones goes for his right. all-time career high, which seems Barry to always Walker happen next in Arizona, game. by the way. You and I have talked about this. We used to say this with Lutz teams. We would put up all the players of the opposing team, and you could go blindfolded and throw a dart and say, this guy's going to have a career high, and it would happen. I promise you. You remember those years. Mm -hmm. We're kind of back to that point where somebody's going to go for a career high. But Arizona has those uh, – those counter punches, let's just say, at different levels. And, and it's because of the roster versatility. Pella Larson is not just a good small forward that gives you minutes. He can actually handle it. He can run the point. He can defend a big. He can defend a small. Well, gosh, so can Dalen. Right. Relatively speaking, so can Justin. Uh, so can Ben. So that versatility allows for shifting styles, personnel, roster, and challenges too. All right, Rhino. So looking ahead to the NCAA tournament, they're just kind of looking at the first seeds here. A lot of people on ESPN are mentioning, and Villanova to me, no disrespect, great job that uh, Jay Wright's done. That isn't necessarily a team that worries me too much. I mean, they're a two seed, so you obviously got to take. But I don't, I don't love how they match up with Arizona. Yeah, I got, I got two things for you that why, why people look at Villanova. Jay Wright starts mm -hmm. there, and and he's earned it, no doubt. Uh, and so. What's his game plan against Arizona? And just the contrast. Does the contrast favor Villanova in the style of play? Tempo, size. If they have not watched Arizona, that's an easy, oh, yeah, Arizona's going to get slowed down. All that size can't guard smalls. 
if you've watched Arizona, those are more than likely teams Arizona just absolutely crushes. Right. Teams that don't have size, and we've referenced that. So keep going down your bracket. Okay, so let's move to Tennessee then. Now, another thing I'm watching on uh, I'm watching on uh, ESPN yesterday, and they continuously made the point, well, Tennessee beat Arizona. Well, if you watched the game, you would know a couple different things. First of all, and again, Tennessee won. But Arizona turned the ball over 10 times in the first 10 minutes. It was their first real time going into an environment like that. And a lot of those turnovers were not were just careless, like, you know, this is Arizona. This is what we do. It was also a questionably officiated game. I'll put it to you like that. You're the prof- you're the professional. I'm not, so I can say that. Um, and Arizona still, with everything going against him, playing one of its worst games of the year, was down two with a minute left to play against Tennessee in Knoxville. I came away from that game thinking that if Arizona plays them on a neutral court again, they win by eight to ten points. Yeah, every time you think about a revenge game or a rematch, right, you go to, well, whoever lost is going to have an emotional edge. Whoever won knows the playbook, right, how to beat that team. So I don't love that Tennessee has a familiarity with us. I'd rather play somebody else that doesn't understand, oh, my God, these guys are huge. Like, right. you can't prepare for that. Tennessee knows that. But I couldn't agree with you more. The The different segments of that Tennessee game, first 10 minutes, Arizona got blitzed, just played terribly. Second 10 minutes, Arizona really drilled Tennessee, got right. back in the game. So they reversed the script. Last, you know, 15 to 20, it was a – one or two possession game and right. could have gone either way. And Arizona was right in it. Kirk Reese's technical foul caused a challenge. Ben Mathrin missed a layup with about three minutes to go to put us within one possession in a one point, I think, or right. even tie it. So right there, um, that would be an epic battle. It would be a fantastic basketball matchup. Uh, I don't know if I love Arizona. I think I like Arizona because they, they definitely could play a lot better than they did in Knoxville that day. The question is, is Tennessee going to play a lot better than they did in Knoxville that day? And I don't know if they can, but whoever you play, because it would be yeah. the elite eight is going to be really good and hot. Doesn't yes, matter. For Doesn't sure. Matter. You're, it, it, any one of these teams, that's who it's going to be. So uh, you, you take it, take it on, but that would be an epic elite eight game. I there's think. no free, there's no free rides. You guys found that out in 97 against uh, when you're like, okay, we beat Kansas and we got this Providence team. And Oh, by the way, you're going into overtime. So by the way, we had to beat God that day though. So, yeah. uh, you know, that was part of the challenge. When that happens, if you, you know, got- if you know, you know, you right? know, exactly. God times two right there. Okay. <laughs> two more teams. And then I'll, uh, I'll let you hop off Illinois. That, to me, was the game that really showed me early on Arizona's gumption. Because, first of all, Illinois can play. Illinois gets up big. They go on, I think it was an 18-2 to run at some point in the game. But it was also the game for me down the stretch, Rhino, where I really saw what Kirk Creasa was about in big moments. And I tell this to people all the time that look at his shooting percentages, and they're like, oh, he's only shooting 36%. But he's the epitome of a guy that if he's 4 for 16 Two of those are going to be threes that are going to be daggers at the end. And people forget, Rhino, he was the one that closed out that Illinois game right there. That was the one thing that stuck out to me. The other thing is, as great as Kofi Coburn is, and he's absolutely fantastic, Christian Coloco's length provided him or presented him a huge problem throughout the game. And last I checked, Christian Coloco's length hasn't gone away. Hasn't left him, and and all the points that you made are extremely valid, and and actually I love that you're pointing some of them out because people that either didn't watch the game or have forgotten because it was mid-December about 
Kirk Kreese's second half and his moxie uh, that he played with, that was the best version of Kerr possibly all season. Uh, we have some singular moments that we saw shot against UCLA, shot against Oregon that that were were epic as well. But when I look at, at Illinois, some things concern me, but at the same time, I'm not sure if they would be able to replicate those. And Trent Frazier and Alonzo Plummer are elite level shot making three point shooters. Right. Uh, do they have that night again? Can they do that again? They did. Both of them were on fire, which is why Illinois got the lead in the first place. Um, Illinois' Alex Curbelo, you know, you look at Curbelo and, and they actually don't play better right. with him. Right, exactly. So he didn't play in that game. Are they actually better if he's eligible to play and ready to go? Uh, and then I think they still got another guy hurt. I think Granderson's is Correct. not at 100%. So he was a big piece. So you start looking at, are they full? Are they whole? Are they going to play at the level that they did on a neutral court like they did in Champaign? They easily had uh, a couple of points because of the home environment uh, that pushed, you know, their, their backside, just like Tennessee did. Uh, you know, there's a lot of trendy stuff going out there. A lot of people don't think Illinois is going to even make it to the Sweet 16. Well, let's talk about that. Last thing before we let you hop yep. off. Kelvin Sampson, mm. you followed it. Kelvin Sampson is one of the most underrated coaches that we've seen in college basketball in the last 30 years. You name it, and I know we got into some trouble in Indiana. I get all that. But you could tell back at Washington State that this was a guy that just got it. You look at Houston. They're a team that you know matches up interestingly with Arizona because they're going to pressure Arizona. If you want to nitpick a little bit, maybe doesn't have the you know, a plus ball handlers that your uh, 96, 97 team had. It's good enough, but it's not great. This to me is maybe the team that I look at. I'm like, you know, nobody worries you, but that talk about a team that you got to take really seriously as a five seed. If you play them in the sweet 16, the numbers and the metrics for them look really good on Ken, Ken Palm from an efficiency standpoint, right. they look terrible on a net rankings because of the quad wins or lack thereof right. that Houston has. So you got to dig deeper. And, and some of it is lest us not forget they were in the final four last year, granted pretty significant roster turnover for them. Mm -hmm. But I love your commentary about Kelvin Sampson. If you can win in Pullman, Washington, and there's really three coaches that, uh, you know, outside of Jack Friel, let's, if we right. go way back, I was going to say, right. George, George Raveling, Kelvin Sampson, Tony Bennett, like you look right. at it, Dick Bennett too, but that, that run there, you look at the, that's the reason I know those names in Pullman is because they figured it out there. And if you can win there, you can win anywhere. And, and Kelvin has done an amazing job in the style in which he deploys, right? Rugged rock fight, slow it down, maximize possessions, if you were to look at a formula that could potentially trip up in Arizona, that could neutralize the size, that could make the the high percentage fast paced offense, you know, go away, right. a team that has potentially still not cured its turnover problems, right? You turn it over the same number of times and you've dropped 15 possessions from 65 to 50 right. because that's what Houston's going to want to do. Now those possessions are more detrimental to your overall offense. That's one that if there was a scary team that Arizona may have to 
to really buckle down on. And guess what? There always is. Let's go back to 2001. If you know, oh, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. Arizona was in a rock fight with Ole Miss mm-hmm. in the Sweet 16. And that was uh, totally unexpected. Completely unexpected. I, I'm, everybody's yeah. looking ahead to Illinois, which also was another exactly. rock fight. But this True. was the rock fight that wasn't expected. The most free throws attempts in the history of the NCAA tournament was Arizona, right. Illinois, because Illinois just came out throwing punches. Right. Uh, but that game you've got to get past, that you got that you just you need things to go your way. You need to dig deep could be a sweet 16 matchup against Houston. Rhino can't thank you enough for your time. Uh, we ran late here. Do me a huge favor. Um, all you can always refer to yourself as we don't do it on the broadcast, but you know what you are. We and give, uh, give your right-hand man, uh, Brian Jeffries nux for me and I'll see you guys tomorrow. All right. See you in San Diego. I appreciate you. Right. Hanson right there. All right. Rhino, like I said, one of the coolest guys that you will come across. And again, thanks for giving me some of your time. One thing, though, and we're going to get to your comments here. Got a lot of comments. DraftKings Sportsbook app. Here's the deal. Code word PHNX. You throw down $5 on any tournament games. Better get in on this because they're coming up coming up very soon here. You get $200 in free plays. That simple, that easy. Now, you might say to yourself, Mike, what uh, comes with this? Well, here are the, di- here are the issues. Arizona only, or not issues, but just here are the caveats. Arizona only, 21 and up. You got a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. They'll get you all taken care of. And again, DraftKings Sportsbook app, this is the time, tournament right now. What better place to be than the most trusted app in the entire sports betting world? Okay, now let's get to some comments here. Uh, So, all right, let's see here. Uh, We got, um, I don't really care who wins, Bryant or uh, uh, whoever they're playing today. I, uh, uh, Bryant or Wright State, Jordan. Here's my whole thing when it comes to that is that, you know what, if you end up losing to either one of those teams, then, well, you're probably not as good as we thought we were. But interesting point, I'm still going to be watching it, as will you. Now, if that game turns out to be closer, then, Jordan, feel free to slap me on Twitter because I obviously didn't know what I was talking about. Okay, Gary Lewis, good uh, good stuff right here, Gary. Gary's talking about, you know, watching the U of A and about how this is one of the most enjoyable teams since 97. Brings up Dalen Terry, U of A's best all-around defensive season a player. I don't quite go that far. I love where your head's at. Um, I think he's the second best defensive player in the Pac-12 conference. To me, it's Christian Coloco, just for some of the reasons that we laid out right there, because he's seven foot one. He can alter shots in the paint, and at the same time, he can get out one through five. He's a guy that just, you know. He he's impossible to replicate. But Dalen Terry, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Um, to get to your next point, uh, this very much feels like, and I'm talking a little bit with Rhino, talking a little bit with Matt Mulebach about it, this very much feels like a Lute Olsen type team in that they're fun to watch. They get up and down. They run. They run. And oh, by the way, they run again. And you never really feel that they're out of it. They all play for each other. You watch Lloyd on the sideline. His mannerisms are fantastic. Um, Anybody that hasn't been able to go to a game, watching Tommy Lloyd up close is actually a very underrated uh, part of the entire uh, U of A basketball experience. Just from his interactions to his players, just from his ability to be able to, you know, tell people what, excuse me, uh, to get in their face, but at the same time to be cool and not be as stiff. He's, he gets it. Uh, Jamino and I were talking about that a little bit yesterday. Okay. Uh, Jordan C. Another point. The key for me is to Bellas. If we get rolling uh, with Ben Terry, then we should be a final four team. 
I agree with you. Tabellus to me is interesting because he's a top 10 player in the conference. He's absolutely one of the better players in the country. There, there's still, I don't know if it's something missing coming back from injury, but he's still missing bunnies that he didn't miss earlier in the season and that he didn't miss late last season. So the numbers are back. He's certainly playing much better, but he's a guy that I'd like to see maybe pick it up even a little bit more if possible. Okay. Uh, Jose Roman says, are opposing offenses keen on Carissa for a few games straight? He's been scored on until, yes. Uh, Kurt Carissa will never be Reggie Geary. Um, he's a very, he's a moxie guy. He's uh, he can score. But the one thing about Kerr is that he's not physically the most gifted guy in the world. And laterally, which is generally where your great defensive players come from. He's, he's just not there. Now I think he can get better. I think defensively he can get to a point where, you know, he's passable, but good point guards are 100% going to be going after him. So, you know, that's a, that's a really good point right there. So let's get to some more of these uh, questions. All right. Matthew Bothwell. Houston worries me a little bit. Get in line there, my man. Um, you're a smart dude. Couldn't uh, couldn't agree with you more on that. Houston's the squad that I look at and I say to myself, you know, they can get up and down. They can run a little bit. And Kelvin Sampson, as Rhino pointed out, is an absolutely fantastic coach, whether he was at uh, Washington State, whether he was at um, uh, Indiana. I know he got into some trouble, Houston. Kelvin Sampson's a dude that just gets it. And uh, they were in the final four last year. It's going to be tough for them to make it this year, but it wouldn't totally shock me. One thing that should sho shouldn't shock you, though, is getting on to go PHNX. So you hop on there, get a membership. You get all kinds of a, you get a cool little, you get some merchandise out of it too, a shirt or, you know, some kind of, you know, some tchotchkes and you get the best coverage uh, the, in throughout the entire state. You got the Cardinals, you got the Suns, you got the Diamondbacks, you got the Coyotes, you've got the Sun Devils. Those guys know what they're doing over there, even though I don't like their, uh, even though I don't like ASU. Jacob in there is, uh, Jacob in there is giving me the thumbs down. I have to be nice to Jacob though, because Jacob can actually turn this screen off right now if he wants to. So Jacob, I still give you and those other, all the other four a pass right there. Right. So, um, and again, all right. So let's get to more of these comments right here. Uh, Jose Roman with another great point. Adama Ball has absolutely made the most of his five to seven minutes. This is a guy that I think you're going to see play a lot more next year, and I think that Tommy Lloyd knows that he's going to play a lot more next year. Ben Matherin most likely moving on. Ball has got that physical dimension. Ball's got that three-point shot where he could be that guy that is maybe, let's be honest here, he could be that guy that's uh, a 15 to 20, 25-minute-per-game guy, depending on how he improves. He's certainly got the ability. And anytime you see a coach like Lloyd – who's got a team right now that's number one and is, and again, I get Kirk Reese's out, but starts putting one guy in for five to six to seven minutes. He's trying to get his feet wet for next year. That's exactly what he's doing with the Dama ball. All right, one thing that doesn't need to get your feet wet is the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. Throw down $5 on tournament games and you get $200 in free plays if that team wins. Now, why don't you be like me? Back the A. You're a one seed going against a 16 seed. Wait for that game to hit, happen, and then go all in on the U of A, winning that game. Put your $5 in, get your $200 back. And again, doesn't matter to me if it's Wright State or Bryant. You should be able to beat either one of those, or Arizona should be able to beat either one of those teams. Again, new customers only. Eligibility restrictions do apply. All right. Ryan Mitchell right here. 
Let's see here. Attending Illinois-Houston games this weekend. Very curious to see both make it to Sunday, and if so, who wins? Ryan, you are the man. We need you out there scouting. We need you out there giving us the insight on what's going on right there. Um, we'll be on back on with you. Uh, let's see. We're uh, Tomorrow's travel day, but we will be back with you Friday. You have a post-game show. Ryan, if you want to hop in there and give us a little bit of a you know preview on what you see, we would greatly appreciate it. But for everybody out there, as always, uh, Jose, Matthew, Gary, you know what? I am going to go on and on down the list. Even, everyone that didn't even comment, thank you. Jordan C., uh, let's see here. Gary, Jeff Mojave, Matthew Bothwell, all of you guys, really appreciate it. We will be back with you again tomorrow, travel day. So no show, but we can, we'll retweet this one as well. But uh, we'll be back with you Friday uh, night, breaking down an Arizona win. For Jacob Franklin and all of the ASU people behind the scenes that uh, are smarter than me and are able to make this one happen, appreciate all you. We'll be back with you. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast. Oh,